How about an open source tractor? Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. This episode of Right Angle brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, uh, this was uh, not one of the leading stories of the day, but perhaps will turn out to be one of the most significant stories of the day. I found it in the Wall Street Journal, but it was everywhere. NPR, the BBC, CNN, all over the place. I saw this story on Reuters. Um, and that is that uh, the American Farm Bureau Federation has uh, struck a deal for a memorandum of understanding with John Deere, the makers of heavy farm equipment, large tractors and such. And the deal is to let farmers fix their own tractors or to let them take their tractors to independent mechanics uh, who are not dealer authorized mechanics necessarily. And in order to do that, John Deere has to make available to these people uh, diagnostic and repair guides and codes and tools and manuals uh, in a timely manner. So basically, we now have an open source tractor. Um, and the reason I say open source tractor is because much of what happens uh, with farm equipment these days is software driven. I know that people tend to think of, you know, that sort of Green Acres uh, chugging tractor um, that is just a steering wheel and a and six cylinder motor. But these are these are highly technical pieces of equipment that farmers spend tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to purchase. And up till this agreement, they pretty much had to go to a John Deere dealer uh, repair shop in order to get stuff fixed uh, because they couldn't get what they needed as far as understanding what's going on with the software um, and the specialized tools. So it was the, the accusation was made against Deere, uh, Stephen Green, that they had intentionally made it difficult to fix your own so that they could drive up their own revenues. Um, now, this was facilitated um, by a, a push by the Biden administration. And I found this interesting, Stephen. This is what I want to ask you about because one would expect the Biden administration would be pushing regulations and legislation to make this right to repair thing happen. Um, but instead, they have really been pushing a private sector channel on this rather than laws and regs. And in fact, uh, there's a public interest group called Public Interest Research Group. Uh, their right to repair division is upset that neither John Deere nor the Biden administration nor anybody else in position of power is pushing for laws and regulations. They're basically saying, let this be worked out in the free market. What do you think of, of first of all, the breakthrough on this memorandum of understanding? And then secondly, the idea that, hey, maybe if we left it to the free markets, that solution would arise rather than imposing it upon them. I, I love leaving things to the free market. And if somebody in the Biden administration is actually doing the right thing for once, well, what a happy accident. Um, yes. That said, uh, it's a genuine frustration for me that everything is becoming a, a service that you don't own, but that you lease exactly or, right. or rent or have to keep paying or, or it stops working. Um, Apple's a great example of this. Not so much that they sell uh, your, your iPhone as a service or your Mac as a service, but um, the company really lost its way when services became their their growth engine. Um, they, they, they topped out on hardware sales. Okay, where do we go for growth now? Oh, services. And that's why the app store is so awful. This this is why they're, they're trying to nickel and dime you on uh, Apple Music and uh, Apple Arcade and, and whatever all the services are. It's no longer about pleasing the customer with a, with a 
brilliantly made piece of hardware. It's about getting that hardware in their hands so that you can then milk them for all of the service transactions over the course of that hardware's uh, lifespan. And it's just, it's very frustrating. It's very not Steve Jobs Apple. Because you're always getting this thing, hey, did you know about this new thing you can give us money for? And it's just, (laughs) it's aggravating that a company that used to be concerned about the user experience above all else is now concerned about dipping into your wallet at every opportunity. And it's like this with so many things, particularly software, Adobe, uh, Microsoft, this software as a service, SAS. They've even got an acronym for it. I just I miss the days of plopping down forty, eighty, even three hundred dollars for a piece of software and then owning it until the next version came out. Um, this this idea that I'm just going to be paying six bucks here, eleven bucks here, whatever for the rest of my life is not the way I like to do business. Um, and it's it's been it's been becoming true in the automotive industry, not just the the farm industry, because. Uh, uh, BMW, for example, has found that it's cheaper to build the exact same car, just the exact same car with all the same features, except some of the features aren't activated. You've got to—they just put a different trim sticker on yep. there. The thing, the, the motor, yep. the massage motor is in the seat because it's cheaper just to build them in all the seats. But you don't get the massage motor unless you get the next trim level, or or you pay later to have it turned on. Yeah. That- uh, in fact, BMW faced an outcry over this. They wanted you to pay—I think it was a monthly or a a, 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 a annual fee to use. Uh, I can't remember whether it was their own in-car software. Or infotainment system or whether it was uh, to get access to CarPlay or, or the Android version of that. But people ra- raised such a fuss that they, they finally dropped the plan. The thing is, development is expensive. It really is, particularly in software. Charge what something is worth. Make the user experience something that brings people back again, and guess what? They'll come back again. Bill Whittle, I, it, this is um, really coming from a guy who, for most of my life, um, believed that I was no good at doing anything with my hands because I was raised by a grandfather who could do everything with his hands. And I was in such awe of him that I just felt inadequate. And so I just figured, well, maybe that's something he's good at, but I just, it's some people are not good at it. And then one time I walked into a dealer repair shop and said, something's wrong with my car. And they said, yeah, we know it's uh, it's your coil pack. It needs to be replaced. And I was like, oh yeah, the coil pack. That's where we store the coil or something. That's, I don't... that's what I thought. I thought, I thought it was a coil pack <laughs> issue. I just wanted to, just wanted to check. So, so I said, well, okay, well, d- why don't you just then uh, yank that out and put another one in, whatever it does, it'll start doing it again. And they said, sure, that'll be $400. And I was like, $400? I didn't even know it existed and it cost $400 to replace. <laughs> and so I said- just go buy a slinky, I'll I, figure this out. I said, I've, I've got only uh, you know three children still available to sell, but let me go home and see if I can figure out which one I should part with. And on the way home, I stop at Manny, Moe, and Jack's, uh, the Pep Boys, and this is an auto mm-hmm. parts store. And I walk in and I said, hey, um, <clears throat> I was just wondering if you got a box of coil packs back there, uh, whatever that is, <laughs> or a bag, if they come in a bag. <laughs> and uh, the guy said, yeah, and he told me what it was. And I said, well, how much is that? And he said, uh, it's about a hundred bucks. 
And I said, really, $100? And I said, is it really difficult to replace? He said, no, it's right on the top of the motor. I mean, it's a bit of a reach, but you can get it. And uh, you just have to get a socket wrench and take a couple of, of uh, bolts out. And then you just put a new one in and put the wires back on. I was like, oh, really? Well, I'll have one of those. <laughs> and that, that changed my life. So for a little over $100, I replaced the coil pack of my car with a help from my son who had at the time had tiny hands and was able to reach into areas that I couldn't get into. And, um, and since that time, I've replaced the head gasket several times. I've replaced a couple of alternators and water pumps and radiators and shock absorbers and obviously spark plugs and done oil changes and done all this stuff. And when I read this story, I thought, wow, I used to work on a hog farm. I can't imagine the farmer like going to somebody to get his tractor fixed. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> and first of all, he didn't have the money. Secondly, he knew how to do it himself. Um, what do you think is gonna happen to, uh, to our society now that we've basically said, yeah, John Deere people, uh, John Deere tractor owners, you can you can fix your own tractor if you want to or take it to an independent dealer. And maybe that's going to inspire Apple and the Android people to open up and make it possible for us to get in there and fix stuff for ourselves. If we, if we get the uh, ability or permission to do this, do you think anybody will? Oh. Yeah, and I think the reason that John Deere has gone along with this is because I imagine that their customers are a little more persnickety about self-reliance than the average uh, iPhone user in you know in in uh, Portland, right? So so there's a a bunch of things here that I think are actually really important on a big scale. First of all, let me say I got a 1977. I bought a, a 1970 Camaro, and and I know what you mean about my hands just wouldn't do it. It took me 45 minutes to get a spark plug out of there. And when I finally did, I felt like I just summited Everest, <laughs> right. you know, it was like, my yeah. God. You know? <laughs> so this is something that's actually, all, all the stuff's tied together. So when, when, when the, the, uh, the, the kindly benefactors at the World Economic Forum, like Charles, uh, uh, like um, Klaus uh, Schwab, Klaus Schwab, when he says nobody will own anything and everybody be, will be happy, this is exactly what he's talking about. It's exactly what Steve was mentioning. You used to be able to go to iTunes and buy a song. You can't do that anymore. Now you have a license that allows you to listen to music and, it, and you don't own that anymore. Uh, streaming services are the same way, right? A streaming service, you don't own the copy of that. You just pay a monthly fee, you get to stream all you want to. It's very convenient and, and yeah, make it very happy, but nobody owns anything. And I, I can't help but believe that this is a, a, an intentional trend to slowly get people out of the entire idea of ownership. Uh, I remember 30 years ago, I had a friend, a close friend who, who had excellent credit. And he always had a, every two years, he'd get a new car. He was leasing it, right? And every two years, he'd just turn it in, he'd have a new car. And he said, I just consider this. I said, well, Steve, you never pay it off. And he said, well, I just consider it to be a transportation fee that I pay every month and I get to ride around in a new car. Right. And, and he's very happy. He didn't own anything. So so that aspect of it is is very worrisome, you know, the idea that you can't do that. But but onto the specifics. It's, it's one thing to say back in my day, every generation has always said back in my day, yeah. back in my day before they had automobiles, we used to have to learn how to do this with a horse and you know, and, and you kids today are worthless. But it is impossible to tinker with a motor today, with a car engine today. It's impossible. There's a plastic seal on the top. It's all controlled electronically and it's much better. You know, there's entire two generations now that have no idea what I'm saying when I go young, 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 young,
the the digital timing on a car can change the can change the advance or retard the spark so that it'll start easily and then run and optimize. You don't have to tune up. All of this is great, and I'm not I'm not saying that shouldn't be there. But when you but when you lock the the engine of the car so that you can't play with it, then you not only do not develop the physical skills, you don't have that sense of self-reliance. Yeah. Like, I don't need to go and call somebody for this. I can fix this myself. And that is rapidly going out of our society. And that's what makes our society work. If you take away that sense of self-reliance and, and self-confidence, and sometimes in the case of me replacing a distributor cap, that was misplaced self-confidence because I didn't I didn't uh, label those things correctly, and it took me about four the, days to figure out the, the time the, I the rebuilt right the carburetor did not go well. <laughs> yeah. But you tried, yeah. right? You tried, and um, and then of course when I when I had when I was flying at an airplane and, and I would see guys, I'd see uh, AMPs, uh, airframe and power plant mechanics, I'd see these guys do things with their fingers and get a part off an airplane. I simply couldn't believe it. I, I, I just don't know how you did that. But ownership is important and self-reliance is important. And, and most importantly is the idea, you, you said open source tractor, right? Um, open source is, is, is group intelligence. It's, it's, if Apple had come out with the iPhone and had not allowed open source apps, we'd probably have 20 apps for the iPhone, right? These would be the apps that the guys on, at the Apple company could have thought of. There are millions of apps because Somebody said, oh, look at that. I wonder if I could point my iPhone up at that airplane and have that iPhone tell me what airplane that is. And then they figured out how to do it. So, so this is great news, obviously. And I, again, I think a lot of it is due to the fact that you're dealing with farmers here who don't much like the idea that they're essentially not able to, to fix the thing that they bought. And I would like to see this kind of thing all throughout society. You know, I think, I think this idea of leasing everything and owning nothing is is intentional and here's the thing about that right if you if you lease everything instead of owning it they can cut you off and you ain't got nothing right you buy a car you own the title for it you got that car if you're constantly leasing a car and somebody decides we don't like your social credit score you're walking and and i think that is a serious danger based on what we've seen in the last 10 years. In preparation for this, I, I tried to do some research on statistics on how many or what percentage of Americans change their own oil or their spark plugs on their car. Um, I couldn't find any. What I could find is some surveys of how many Americans said they would be comfortable changing their oil or their spark plugs. And I was like, how could they not just ask, hey, do you actually do it? And of course, like most people, we brag that we, you know, the large numbers of people brag that they would certainly be able to do that kind of thing. Uh, we just don't do it because it's, you know, we'll have Jeeves take care of it and, you know, we don't have to worry about it. Um, so I couldn't get those kind of stats. Uh, Bill reminded me of an incident where I was at an event with a friend and she was driving a, a relatively new Cadillac sedan. And uh, at dinner, she said, um, my battery died. I can't, uh, I can't start my car. It's sitting out there in the parking lot. And I said, give me your keys. I'll go jump it for you. And so she gave me the keys and I go out and I got my pickup truck and I pulled over next to her. Um, actually at that point, I don't think I was driving a pickup, but, um, I drove over next to her car, popped the hood and I looked at, uh, under the hood for about five minutes. And then I went back to dinner and I said, I'm sorry, Lisa, I don't know where the battery is. I have no idea. <laughs> 
where, how to find that. It was like something from Star Wars. When I opened the hood, there was just this cowling. And as far as I could tell, there was no motor there. I don't don't know. And And it's positive to positive. I'm positive. That's right. That's how I always remembered not to get that wrong. Well, there was there was a way uh, that I found out uh, which terminal to put the uh, the clamp on. It's when the one that doesn't throw sparks like mad. Yes. Um, that's yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so anyway, you know that that just gave me an indication that the future was not in favor of right to repair. You also reminded me of what my grandfather told me about World War II and the benefit of the fact that so many American GIs were shade tree mechanics, and they had to be. And yeah. why did they have to be? Because they were driving crappy cars that constantly <laughs> needed to be fixed, and they couldn't afford to take them somewhere to be fixed. And in fact, there weren't that many places to take them. They were fixing their own cars, and they fiddle, fiddled around and figured it out and, and jerry-rigged solutions. Um, and, and that kind of instinct is is just flaming out in our society. And finally, final story for this. Uh, this week I met a guy whose name was Yosef, and I asked what he did for a living, and he says he runs Sorry. a repair shop. Not sure about that. Oh my goodness, Apple keeps interrupting me with their ridiculous <laughs> watch. I'm gonna throw that away, there we go. <laughs> um, and so I said, what do you do? And he says, I repair European automobiles. And I said, well, like BMWs? He said, yeah, BMWs, Ferraris, things like that. And I said, well, how's that going? He said, it's going pretty good. Um, and I said, I, I, had, I don't have any idea what that would be like for you. And he said, well, let me give you an example. Uh, replacing a timing belt, um, it, people bring their, their vehicle in to replace a timing belt, $25,000. And I'm like, $25,000 to replace a timing belt? I've replaced timing belts. How could it possibly be $25,000? He said, well, you probably didn't have to take the entire motor out from the bottom of the car in order to replace the timing belt. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't take the motor out at all. Um, and so I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, your, go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt your clothes, but I just got to get this. Somebody said timing belt, and I've been sitting on this for 30 years. I had um, a Honda CRX. And twice the timing belt mm. went out, and it took the engine with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> what? What? It's how much is the belt? Twenty-eight dollars. Are, are you kidding me? Are you serious? And then a small service charge for replacing the motor. Yeah. It's <laughs> a so two thousand dollar repair of three thousand dollars. Get a new engine in this car because a because a freaking belt went out. Somebody needs to redesign this. So here's what I think is going to happen. If this right to repair movement, uh, you know, it's as it's gone, you know, with John Deere here, if it's successful, this memorandum of understanding between the farmers and John Deere works out and this extends to other areas, we will see an explosion of innovation in this country. If you open up to a farmer, the SDK of the John Deere tractor, the software development kit of the John Deere tractor and say, see what you can do with it. It will bring features and benefits to that tractor that John Deere never dreamed of. People will fiddle around and experiment and break things and try to figure out how to make things work. And they will come up with new innovations that will feed more people, that will make life better for farmers and others. And I can't wait to see it. I met a farmer years ago who said that he uh, took care of fields throughout the county that we lived in. And he started listing all the fields that he took care of. And basically people who owned those fields just sold the rights for him to plant and harvest those fields. And so he didn't own any of that land. He was just going on and benefiting from it. 
And I said, wow, that's amazing. How do you, how do you maintain your tractor? And he goes, oh, my tractor's magnificent. He said, in fact, uh, from the moment I pull it out of the barn until it comes back in, if I should happen to doze off, it won't matter. And he said, he said, basically, the tractor can drive itself. Now, he may have been exaggerating slightly, but he basically said that tractor will take itself home, pull itself into the bar, into the barn, uh, you know, curry comb itself, feed it a bucket of oats or whatever it needs and, and can do it all. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this little story is going to have a significant impact on your life. And my suggestion to you beyond learn to code, which, of course, you should have done already, is find something today or this week where you can actually get your hands dirty and try to do something for yourself that you wouldn't ordinarily have done. You know, replace the garbage disposal in the kitchen sink or do, do some something that will make you understand not only how things work, but how a man or a woman was meant to live in self-reliance and the ability to do things. And you will, you will experience a kind of satisfaction that I can't tell you that you will have to feel for yourself if you haven't already done this. And I invite you, if you're watching this on any of the social media video sites or on BillWhittle.com, to add your stories of accomplishment in this regard to the comment section below. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.